Hi, everyone, and welcome to the American Ambulance EMS Podcast. I'm Dr. Danielle Campaign, American Ambulance's Medical Director. I'm here with our awesome co-hosts, Dr. Sajid Bakta and Dr. Patil Armenian. Hi, everyone. Hello. Today, we're going to be talking about dystonic reactions. Who serves a million people in the valley? We do. The brave men and women of the double A are the best at what they do in EMS today. The finest place in the world to be is right here as a part of Americans' family. Help is on the way, got a unit and route. No matter the problem, when in doubt, we send them out. Sure as the sunrise, sure as I bust this rhyme, 10 minutes or less. Every call, every time, this is my career path, this is what I do. The double A's, red, white, and blue. Get your call on. Here comes American. Get your lights on. Here comes American. Get your gurney on. Here comes American. Get your gloves on. Here comes American. Get your save on. So let's jump right in and talk about dystonic reactions. Let's start off with a case. I know uh, Dr. Armenian had a great case recently. Yeah, just in my last um, ER shift that I worked, uh, EMS brought in a young woman who had just started a brand new atypical antipsychotic medication the day before. And so she'd only taken two doses. And she called EMS because she was having a hard time talking. She couldn't really speak. She could barely open her jaw. When I saw her, actually, the the nurse that was doing EMS triage called me out to look at her. Um, and actually, it was kind of funny because the call I got to look at her was like, is she faking something or is this real? And the minute I looked at her, I, I knew it was real because she just looked so uncomfortable and she was following commands appropriately. She was appropriately interacting. Um, I just kept asking her, like, do you feel like you can't talk? And she was nodding. Yes. Like she just couldn't really move her jaw really well. Um, and then I also noticed that she was having a lot of tremors in her hands, kind of like rhythmic tremors in her in her hands. And then I asked her, is this new? And she said, yes. And so it just seemed like something was all of a sudden wrong. And and I feel like this is something I see with dystonic reactions all the time, where because oftentimes they are psychiatric patients, there's a lot of bias in the medical community to think that they are faking something when they clearly are not. Um, and this is a very uncomfortable thing to happen. So actually, I um, I told the nurse and the medics to put her in our highest acuity area um, because it was a very busy day. And I knew that was the only place where we were going to able to get her medications quickly. And so um, she was placed there. Um, she got some diphenhydramine IV uh, really quickly and all of her symptoms resolved. Um, so I felt like that was a really interesting case we had to deal with lately. I think it's so hard because you don't see them that often. And when they do, we're going to go through all the manifestations, but they're just odd muscle group spasming. Like you don't rarely see a tongue spasm or a jaw spasm, but it is. That's a great case. Sajin, why don't you kick us off on uh, the definitions? So acute dystonic reactions are true medical emergencies that are adverse side effects of phenothiazine medications. This is a class of common medications that includes typical antipsychotics, such as haloperidol or droperidol, and antiemetics such as metoclopramide and procloperazine, such as reglan or compazine. Atypical antipsychotics may cause it as well, but less frequently. Now, this reaction is characterized by involuntary, slow, sustained contractions of muscles in the eyes, face, tongue, neck, and even larynx. It can look very dramatic, 
may even be life-threatening and needs to be dealt with rapidly. These reactions occur in about 0.2 to 1% of patients receiving metoclopramide or procolpirazine. One source reports that up to one-third of psychotic patients will have a drug-induced movement disorder. That's all extrapyramidal symptoms with typical antipsychotic medications. Another reports 6.8% prevalence of acute dystonic reactions in adults treated with antipsychotics. Now, common risk factors for this include male gender, a young age, a previous episode of acute dystonia, or recent cocaine use. So we'll pick on our toxicologist, Dr. Armenian, to go through the pathophys about all this. Dystonic reactions are actually um, one subset of a greater group of side effect syndromes called um, extrapyramidal side effects. And so these are typically side effects from, again, this phenothiazine group of medications. Um, and dystonic reactions can be, I mean, pretty impressive and scary for both patients and providers. Most commonly, um, just like Sajan already mentioned, we see spasms in the musculature of the face and neck. So this means that the tongue, pharyngeal muscles, larynx can spasm, resulting in upper airway obstruction. But really, um, when I go through all the different types of dystonic reactions right now, what you'll see is a lot of different uh, muscle systems in your body can be involved. So bear with me, but there's a lot of different types of dystonic reactions. The first one, uh, the one that we see pretty often is a buccolingual crisis. So this is when people really can't talk. And this is what the patient in my case had. So they have dysarthria, dysphagia, grimacing, tongue protrusion, trismus. The second type of dystonic reaction is an oculogyric crisis. So this is a spasm of the extraocular muscles. Usually the eyes are deviated up. So it's like their eyes are deviated up and they're just stuck there and they can't move their eyes. Another common one is torticollis, which is muscle spasms of the neck and jaw. Usually the head will be deviated to one side or the other and stuck there. Now, um, a very uncommon one is a tortipelvic crisis. So these are abnormal contractions of the abdominal wall, hip, and pelvic muscles. To be honest, I haven't diagnosed one of these yet, but now I'm thinking maybe I just missed the diagnosis. So I don't know. Another one is opisthotonus, which are muscle spasms of the back with flexion posturing and arcing. So it's really your back muscles that are spasming, and um, it kind of looks like tetanus, actually. Another one is laryngeal dystonia, which is marked by dysphonia and stridor. Um, and this is one of the scary ones because this could cause an airway obstruction. And then another one is zootomacroglossia. So what that means in English is that somebody feels like their tongue is swollen and protruding out, even if it isn't. And we have a patient that comes in with this to our emergency department all the time, um, where he just feels like his tongue is falling out, basically. And every time you give him Benadryl, he gets better. Um, and then last but not least, it can cause involuntary spasms of the arms or legs. So um, just to backtrack for a second to other ex acute extrapyramidal side effects, the other big one that we see, uh, which is not necessarily a dystonic reaction, is called akathisia. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but it can be pretty impressive. It's this inner restlessness. Sometimes you see it when a patient has received um, Reglan or Compazine, and all of a sudden they just want to rip out their IV and like leave. And it's not that they want to leave, they just physically can't sit still anymore and have to get out. So I could see that if you gave one of these medications in the back of an ambulance, all of a sudden the patient is like, 
freaking out, trying to get out, it could just be that they're having um, this type of side effect called akathisia. Now, when people are on antipsychotics for a very long time, um, or even other phenothiazine medications, they can get chronic extrapyramidal side effects, which include tardive dyskinesia and drug-induced Parkinson's disease, um, which aren't readily treated with medications, and we won't cover them in this episode right now, but we'll go back to our topic of the day, which is acute dystonic reactions. Now, why does this really happen? It's unclear, but it's some imbalance between dopamine and acetylcholine. People think that there's a deficit in central dopamine transmission resulting in overactive striatal acetylcholine release. For example, metoclopramide, otherwise known as Reglan, um, is a dopamine receptor antagonist, which is used to treat vomiting, migraines, and gastroparesis. Because of its dopamine antagonism in the basal ganglia of the brain, that's when we get this kind of imbalance uh, with dopamine and acetylcholine, and then you get dystonic reactions and other extrapyramidal side effects. So we're basically giving them anticholinergic or anti-acetylcholine medications such as diphenhydramine or benztropine to reverse the effects. So again, the exact mechanism kind of unknown, but it seems to be some sort of imbalance between dopamine and acetylcholine. And we know that anticholinergic medications help. So let's go through the assessment of this. So of course, ABCs come first. And these cases can be airway emergencies and must be taken seriously. Um, sometimes they're really subtle and you have to just have your patient, as a chief complaint is a new inability to speak, like Patil's case. And I think if they're older, you always think, are they having a stroke? Why can't they talk? So it's important to see if they can open their mouth and see if the face or the neck appears stuck or swollen or if the eyes are deviated to one side. I had a case like that where they thought they were having a seizure because their eyes were stuck and they were kind of trembling a little bit. But it's interesting, if you ask them, they can still hear you, right? So if you say, hey, can you move your right arm, move your left arm? It's like, ooh, this person's totally following commands, but their eyes are stuck. Um, so that should just clue you into the diagnosis. And really that medication history is key. So if you can get that medication history, a lot of times they can't talk and tell you, but hopefully a family member on scene can, or if you grab their back of meds, you see they just got a new med. Um, dystonic reactions are acute. That means that either a new medication like an antipsychotic or antiemetic was just started in the last few days, a medication dose was just increased, or was associated with one specific recently administered dose. So this diagnosis can't be made without knowing the presence of an inciting medication. So this, that's why the history is really key to this. Let's go through the management. As in all cases, we're going to start with airway management. Pay close attention to the airway. As Patila mentioned, if you had laryngeal spasm, this can be an airway obstruction emergency. Moving on to treatment, it's always giving some sort of anticholinergic medication quickly. In our SEMSA protocol, we use diphenhydramine 50 milligrams IM. In the hospital setting, we typically give this IV. There are rare cases that are refractory to diphenhydramine. In the hospital setting, one other option is to use benztropine or cogentin. This can also alleviate symptoms. And third line is IV benzodiazepines, trying to relax them as much as we can if they're refractory to the typical anticholinergic medications. So moving through our SEMSA protocol, first starts with the assessment. Always start with your ABCs. Two is secure your airway, airway positioning and suction. Third is diphenhydramine. Again, that's 50 milligrams intramuscular. In pediatric cases, we obtain IV access and you can give one milligram per kilogram slow IV push or an intramuscular dose with a maximum dose of 50 milligrams. And then we're gonna transport these patients to the hospital. 
always consider this again if the patient appears restless if they're having spasms in their neck or jaw or back if their eyes are deviated if their head is deviated if they are having difficulty speaking if they have involuntary twitching or jerking consider this in these types of patients I think this is a great example of where your assessment on the scene is key. So if you have got your assessment skills can really lead you down the right path. Um, let's go through our summary take-home points for dystonic reactions. Patio. So my take-home point is that dystonic reactions come in a huge variety of presentations, and um, you just have to have a low index of suspicion. Sajin. Again, these patients are often psychiatric patients or patients that we may not, we have a bias of not believing right away, um, but they can be airway emergencies. So they need to be treated quickly, assessed quickly and treated quickly. And my take on point is obtaining that medication history is key to help make this diagnosis, especially in our current situation where we don't have visitors in the hospital. We don't always have that family by the bedside. The EMS report is super important and bringing that bag of medicines or asking the family members on scene um, is very important for us. So thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. If you guys like the American Ambulance EMS podcast and you feel like this has been useful for you, please give us a five-star review on the iTunes store so that we can move up in the ratings so that uh, other uh, pre-hospital professionals can listen to us as well. Um, and we're also taking any solicitations for ideas or, or topics that you want covered, and you can email us anytime at podcast at americanambulance.com. Once again, that's podcast at americanambulance.com. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on the American Ambulance EMS podcast produced by American Ambulance in Fresno, California. The views of the guests and the hosts of this show are their own and don't necessarily reflect the views of American Ambulance or UCSF Fresno. The theme song for the show is written and performed by Roshan Roach. The beats were created by Young Pear and Brett Schoenwald. And I'm John Mark Bergen, American Ambulance's media producer, saying thanks for joining us. Have a great shift and stay safe out there.